Welcome in. It is episode number 15 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And we're doing something a little bit different today. So first of all, uh, with our first episode back, you could probably hear that we were not in the same place. Yeah. Uh, we were recording over Google Hangout. I was at home. Matt was actually down uh, at school recording in the athletics office. But we are down here for the day because we're doing a little bit more work for some future episodes. So we are doing this live on the air on WQAQ from the studios uh, of 98.1 WQAQ. So Matt McAuliffe, uh, you were here this entire weekend, and we're going to go through this uh, in our rundown here for episode number 15. But you got a chance to see both at home and on the road a number of unbelievable games here uh, for the basketball and hockey teams. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the basketball ones were actually pretty wild. Um, when I went to Marist, I've never been in a more hostile environment. For, really? Yeah, oh my goodness, for an away team. Um, I was even getting chirped, and I was a, I was a video guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I had nothing to do with the team, and yeah. I, I was still getting chirps. So there were students there? Not, believe it or not, not a ton of students. It was actually adults, and it was more elderly, yeah, <laughs> elderly fans. Really? Yeah, it, it was wild. And with this gym, the, our arena is kind of separate, so the court, you have a good 20 feet. Yeah, and then crowd. yeah, yeah. In Marist, you have court, nine feet, and then crowd. Really, like, it's right on, on top of you. They're on top of you. Okay, yeah. that's. I yeah. mean, that's tough. Not only, not only for the players, because you know, if you like, if you run out of bounds, you're right there to the point where you know you're you're right on top of the fans and uh, and everything like that. But that's tough for you being able to do the work that you want to and get good angles and stuff. And then you got you know grandma behind you chirping you yeah. and you know <laughs> saying get out of the way because they can't see. But either way, yeah. So Matt got a chance to see uh, a bunch of these games. So uh, we're gonna take you. through through uh, the week that was last week for Quinnipiac Athletics. The women's basketball team, they are now 4-0 to begin MAC play. They started the weekend with a 76-69 win at Marist on Thursday. I was there to see it all go down. It was a tight game throughout the first half, but the third quarter was huge for the Bobcats as they were able to kind of jolt away from the, from the other squad. Right. Taylor Hurd led the way with 18 points and 29 minutes off the bench, and five players had double-digit points for the Bobcats. Quinnipiac dominated the offensive boards. Paige Warfel was all over those boards, absolutely, <laughs> as they outpaced Maris 16-6 to in that category, and they outscored the hosts 15-2 to on second-chance points. Then they followed up with a win in their own barn, a 67-38 to win at home versus Monmouth. Heard again led the charge, 16 points. She was 4 for 5 from 3. Heard you. And that's the third time in the last four games where Heard has had at least 16 points. But we had an achievement. We had history made that day as well. Paula Stratmanet had 11 points in the afternoon and became the 24th player in program history and 15th at the Division One level to reach the 1,000-point plateau. She joins her teammates Jen Fay and Aaron McClure as they are the only trio of classmates in the program history to achieve this milestone. Now, with the win, the Bobcats tie the all-time record for consecutive MAC wins. The victory ties the Bobcats with Marist all-time record for conference wins in regular season and playoffs. Now, they will look to break that record Friday, January 18th at 11 a.m. at Niagara. And then after that, they'll play Sunday, January 20th, 2 p.m. 
at Canisius. So they are sitting right on the edge of history there. I mean, it's it's been an incredible thing, especially for this senior class. We were we were talking about it uh, before we started recording because we have some uh, some things with women's basketball in the mix for future episodes. And yeah. you know, this class, this senior class that is going to graduate at the at the end of the year has ninety something wins. Over their three plus years, they have three MAC regular season titles, two MAC champion, two MAC tournament championships, two NCAA tournament appearances, a Sweet Sixteen appearance. I mean, you can run down the shot sheet of things that this class has done, and then individually for uh, Paula Stratman, I mean, picking up a thousand points and having two other classmates already having done that. I mean, there's still half of a senior season left, and, and these players are already getting to these margins. Yeah, it, it's wild. Yeah. And, and we have some of the national rankings for this team right now. Yeah, let's hit the highlights. I I mean, they're 36th fewest turnovers in the country. I think another one that stands out is their um, opponent's field goal, 81st. And then scoring defense, 55.3 points per game for their opponents. That's 17th in the country. And the most impressive, Dan, 6.33 turnover margin per game. That's 13th most in the country. That's the incredible one. And, you know, when we were talking about this before, and, and uh, you know, head coach Trisha Fabry is, is ecstatic about this number specifically because they are forcing 20, point, 20 and a third, essentially, 20 and a third turnovers per game, but they're only turning the ball over 14 times. Right. So when you do the math on that, that leads to a six and a third, so 6.33 turnover margin. Turnovers forced minus turnovers done, committed. like turn, turnovers right. committed, yeah. Right. So, I mean, 13th in the nation for a number like that, that means that your defense is getting their hands on the ball, they're able to disrupt the offensive flow of the other teams, and I mean, that's why it's leading to a number like 55.3 points per game, which and, is 17th best in the nation. And another thing to watch out for is they've played the 24th toughest schedule in the nation, right? and that becomes huge when it's around March Madness time, where that's right. you have the selection committee looking at each team, and Hopefully we can get a, a, a nice seed for ourselves by the end of the year. That would be ideal. So switching over to the men's side, they are now 3-1 and one in MAC conference play. Uh, they kicked off a four-game homestand with an exciting 89-83 win over Monmouth in double overtime. So Monmouth tied the score uh, in regulation with two seconds left. So uh, the Bobcats headed to overtime with them. Both teams put up six points in the first overtime period uh, before guard Rich Kelly knocked down a three-pointer with 35 seconds left to give the Bobcats a two-point lead in the second overtime period, and the Bobcats would go on to put the game away. In the win, Cameron Young had 33 points, while Kelly had 25. The Bobcats hit 14 three-pointers in the game, so they continue to be money from long range. And don't forget Cam Young's name. We'll talk about him a few more times here. Uh, They followed that up with an 80-78 win against Fairfield on Sunday. So after trailing 68-65 with 423 left, the Bobcats went on a 7-0 run over the next 90 seconds to take a 72-68 to 68 lead. Uh, Quinnipiac has now won three of its first four games to begin MAC play for the first time since the 2013-14 season. Cam Young's 20 points came on 6 of 12 shooting. He led the way. He now has 916 career points, just 84 away from becoming the Bobcats' 41st 1,000-point scorer. And for his efforts over the last week, Cam Young was named the MAC Player of the Week. 
He is currently averaging a MAC leading 19.6 points per game and has tallied 10 plus points in 14 of 15 Quinnipiac games so far. So we threw a lot of numbers at you, Matt, uh, for the people at home with the Bobcats. But one thing that we can be certain of, not only is Cam Young continuing to dominate and lead this Bobcats offense, but Coach Baker Dunleavy in his second year is really starting to rejuvenate this team and get them back in MAC contention. Yeah, he's cooking something up. I think Baker is a coach that, again, is one of those coaches that pays attention to details. Details, 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 in and out, every day from the time that you wake up from the time that that final buzzer hits. I mean, you know, we talked to uh, Abdullah Bondu, and I'm sure we're going to talk to a, a number of other players throughout the rest of the year, and he detailed for us some of the the intricate things that, that you know, his him and his team do on a daily basis just to keep their body healthy and to keep, you know, stay healthy on and off the court, stay healthy in the classroom. You know, there are a lot of different things uh, that these guys are doing in a very detail-oriented system, and Coach Dunleavy told us about that when we talked to him earlier in the year, but... They're sitting uh, second or tied for second in the conference right now behind 4-0 Ryder. Uh, they're one of only two teams in the conference that are above 500 overall. So, I mean, you know, not only is this team winning in conference, Matt, but, I mean, out of conference, no matter who they're playing, you know, Baker Dunleavy's constructed a team that has a chance to win every single night. And I know it's early, yeah. but like you said, this, this conference isn't the strongest in the country. I mean, right. So if you're able to collect road wins and take care of business at home anything's possible with this team right now so the men's basketball team they continue their homestand the day after this podcast drops thursday january 17th at 7 p.m against canisius before finishing it up on saturday afternoon january 19th against niagara now for the women's hockey team after a hot start to the second half of the season last weekend they had a five to two loss at number nine colgate Kate McKenzie and Randy Marcon scored to cut the deficit to 4-2, to two, but an empty net goal sealed the deal for Colgate. And a 2-1 to one loss the next day at number 4, Cornell. Now, Katie Tabin had the lone goal for the Bobcats, while the Cornell goalie Marlene Bossano stopped 29 of 30 shots. Now, the women's hockey team is back in action with a non-conference game Friday, January 18th at 7.30, at Sacred Heart. On the men's side, uh, the Bobcats picked up a 5-1 win in conference against Dartmouth on Friday night. Uh, Peter Deliberatore, Alex Whalen, Ethan DeYoung, Chase Prisky, and Craig Martin all lit the lamp for the Bobcats while Andrew Shortridge stopped 24 of 25 shots. Uh, Senior forward Craig Martin had three points in the game the fourth time in his career that he's recorded three points in a single game. Senior captain Chase Prisky set a new career high for points in a season as he recorded his 27th point of the season to break his previous record of 26 and uh, we're about yeah, we're what, halfway. halfway through this. Yeah, we're about halfway. Yeah. Uh, the next night, unfortunately, the Bobcats dropped a 2-1 closely fought game against Harvard at home. Uh, Ethan DeYoung had the lone goal for the Bobcats. That was uh, with the with Andrew Shortridge pulled, so it was a 6-on-5 advantage goal. Shortridge stopped 25 of 27 shots, but Harvard goalie Michael Lackey made a career-high 46 saves to steal the game, including 33 saves over the final two periods. Ethan DeYoung, however, extended his goal streak to three straight games on Saturday. His 17 points ranked second among ECAC freshmen and 10th in the nation in that same category. So, uh, checking in on the rankings for the Bobcats, they've been sniffing around the top 10 for the last couple of weeks. They continue to sit there. They check in at number 7 in the USCHO poll, number 6 in the USA Today poll, as well as number 6 in the Parawise, which is the most important when it comes down to determining where teams are for the national 
regional tournament. So uh, they have two non-conference games coming up over the next week. They play at Boston University Saturday night, January 19th at 7 p.m. before returning home to play Holy Cross in another non-conference game on Tuesday night, January 22nd, also at 7 p.m. Now we're going to hit a different kind of court, a tennis court that is, Dan, as women's tennis kicks off their spring schedule with a match at the University of Virginia on Saturday That's January 19th, starting at 10.30 a.m. The men's tennis team kicks off the spring schedule with a match against Binghamton University on Saturday, January 19th. That starts at 5.30 p.m. Good luck to that squad as well. For the uh, women's indoor track team, they got underway this past weekend with the Great Dane Invitational on Saturday, January 12th. For the track results, senior Emily Wolf took first place in the 3,000-meter run and qualified for ECACs. Freshman Emily Young finished in eighth place in the 800-meter run, while senior Kaylee Roberts took sixth place in the same event. For the field results, junior Megan Scullin broke the indoor school record in the long jump finals with a 5.6-meter leap, which also qualifies her for ECAC, so congratulations to her. Freshman Kailana Botello took seventh place in the high jump, while senior Carly Timpson finished fourth in the weight throw. So the women's indoor track team, their season is off and running here in the spring. They are back in action this coming Saturday, January 19th, at the Sorlian Invitational, hosted by the University of Rhode Island. In the men's soccer team, we have an update from this fall sport. For the first time in program history, a player was drafted to the MLS. That's the Major League Soccer. As Quinnipiac men's soccer forward, Rashawn Daly has been selected by FC Cincinnati in the 2019 MLS Super Draft. So Daly was taken with the first pick of the third round at 49th overall, and he becomes the first Quinnipiac student-athlete to be selected in the MLS Super Draft. And a huge congratulations to Rashawn Daly. That's a it's a great honor and completely completely deserved. You know, he's put up a fantastic career as a member of the Bobcats. So best of luck to him moving forward. But that is not what we are talking about here on episode number 15. Matt McCall, if you had the chance to do the interview for today's episode, who are we talking to today? Yeah, Dan, so we're talking to coach Prajesh Patel. He is the strength and conditioning coach for the Tier 1 sports or the Arena Sports. So that is both hockeys and both basketballs. And he's up at the arena. That's where his office was. And uh, I just talked to him about what, what it takes to be a Division One athlete and um, what it's like day in and day out. What diet does it take to be a D1 athlete? What's the mentality coming into his weight room? And uh, Right. And, and it's a great interview because on the surface, you know, you can look at that and just say, oh, you know, his job is, you know, lift this, eat this. You know, it's, it's an easy thing to do. But it, there is a lot more. There's so many more intricate details that go into being a strength coach, coach for an entire team. Right. You know, being able to manage and try to get an entire team up to a certain weight or a certain athletic ability. And it also probably changes by sport, too, which, which is another thing that, you know, if, if it's more endurance based or more strength based something like that so and i uh, i played a little game with them actually for each of the four sports we we did a music game okay like what kind of music is played in the locker room because music team. is a big thing for him right the music in the weight room for each team we played a little game i gave him a scenario and he, he hit me with a song he would play it was uh, good okay so uh without any further ado let's hear from coach b and matt mcauliffe <laughs> We are here for another episode of the Athletics Podcast. I'm Matt McAuliffe, flying solo on this one, and I'm here with Coach Brajesh Patel. He is Coach B, known around the locker room and around the weight room, so thank you for coming on with me. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Appreciate it. So at first, I kind of want to start with how you got here, because when you talk to the athletes, and we've had athletes on this podcast, they seem to always mention you 
and your ethic and how you make them better every day. So we'll get to that a little later, but tell me how you got into this business of being a strength and conditioning coach and how you got here to QU. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. So I knew I wanted to be a strength conditioning coach when I was a senior in high school, um, which is pretty uncommon for most people, I think, to know what you want to do at that time in your life. But um, I had a uh, interesting journey. Like I had always kind of been overweight um, growing up, and you know I had parents and family say, would say, "Watch what I ate, and I needed to lose weight," and um, and it really never kind of resonated until I got to high school and I played football and and um, it and I just finished last in conditioning and it was everything was hard and I kind of committed myself to after that year is saying you know what I got to lose weight like I want to play I want to have an impact I want to be able to do these types of things and um, I started changing the way I ate I started exercising I started doing the things that people around me told me to do but I just never chose to do um, and so um, through that court, through that time, I started to devour everything when it came to fitness, and nutrition, and health, and um, and I ended up losing a, a good amount of weight, ninety pounds in six months. Not of all it was, not all of it was healthy, um, but through that process, it started to create spark a passion in me towards exercise and fitness and health. And and then as my my experience went along throughout my time in high school. Um, we had we ended up having a strength conditioning program in my high school, and I thought it was unbelievable. I thought it was really cool to see how you can impact your performance through training, and and then I started to realize and strength conditioning the the field was pretty young at that time. It was like the late '90s, and uh, I started, you know, just reading Sports Illustrated and different articles, and and there was um, things about strength conditioning, and I, and I just trying to research what it was and the, the internet was bare it was in its infancy at that time too so it's not like i could yeah. do a google search um but i started looking into it and started realizing i remember telling my parents like they're like what do you want to study when you go to college and I'm like i want to be a strength conditioning coach and their first question was like can you can you raise a family on that i said I said i don't know but i'll figure it out i said i don't know but i'll figure it out and uh so I went to University of Connecticut, and my second week on campus, I remember seeing a flyer in the rec center about a, a strength coach, Andrew Hootie, who was going to do like a little um, a presentation to anybody who wanted to come about weight training. So I went there, and I met her, and I said, I told her what I wanted to do, and she's like, okay, you need to go meet Coach Martin, go to the varsity weight room, and I remember I did that, and uh, he's like, he, I told him what I want to do, and he's like, okay, he's like, we'll give you a call. And like a week later, one of the graduate assistants um, called me. He's like, hey, you want to come watch track and field? I'm like, sure. And so I went down in the weight room and um, would observe. And then afterwards, Coach Martin, who was a head train coach, he's, he's since passed. But um, he would drill me with questions about this and that, about biomechanics and physiology and all this stuff. And if I didn't know it, he's like, all right, go look it up and then come back. And that's what I did. I'd go to the library. I'd go look up the stuff that he would ask me and I'd come back. And I think he was kind of really testing me to see how much I really wanted it and how much I cared. Um, but, uh, I think I proved to enough, proved to him enough that every year I was given more and more responsibility. I was able to work with the basketball teams there at UConn, um, helped our football team go from one double a to the big East and right. try to work with them work with every other sport on campus while I was there and um until I till that point when I was a senior they actually gave me teams so like the the GA that first called me his name was Sean Wendell 
he left to take a job with a, with Rutgers. He's now with Indiana Pacers, but oh. he left, and the, we our department was kind of in a uh, pinch. So he's like, he's like, can you really help us and take some teams? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. So I was a senior in college with these responsibilities yeah and i was like a full-time coach like i had baseball and track and field so i would communicate with the baseball staff and the coaches and the athletic trainers and 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 train the guys and i had classes with these guys top, too yeah. with these guys oh, oh so did it help? yeah it, it helped it, well, it, it's i think it was a lot of it was basically how i carried myself and how i kind of removed myself from being a normal college student and into a professional and uh, they bought into me and they bought into our program and, and it was it was pretty cool. And then that led me to being a graduate assistant there. Um, I was also fortunate to do a couple internships with uh, one is Mike Boyle, who's probably the most renowned hockey strength conditioning coach in the world um, in Boston. And then uh, I did another internship at the College of Holy Cross and I was a GA for a year and a half. Sorry, this is a long story. No, and then, uh, yeah. and then uh Halfway through my second year of grad school, um, Jeff Oliver, who's a strength coach at Holy Cross, he's like, he's like, hey, I, I want you to be my assistant. My assistant left. Like, when you want to come up, I said, I said, I don't know if I can try to figure this out. I got one more, I got one more semester of grad school to finish up. Um, needs to say, like, I figured it out. I basically commuted my last year, my last semester. I would take classes at UConn, lived at UConn, worked every day at Holy Cross, so did the fifty minutes. So. Um, I finished grad school and I was at Holy Cross for four and a half years and uh, this opportunity came up and I had some people and some connections who were at Quinnipiac and I was like, and I knew that they opened up this facility um, and I knew that they, you they heard were, the hype around it. Yeah, now, they were yeah. prioritizing athletics. It was funny. So I was at Holy Cross and our hockey team opened up the building. They played Quinnipiac in the first game ever here. Okay. And yeah, I remember yeah. our guys coming back saying, like, the facility is amazing. It's unbelievable. Um, one of our assistant basketball coaches that I worked with the Holy Cross, Eric Eaton, was an assistant here. Okay. And I would ask him, I'm like, I'm like, do you have a strength coach? And he's like, no, but he's like, we're working on one. We're trying to get one. And um, I remember in January of 2008, I emailed Jack McDonald. And I expressing my interest to be the first full-time so strength coach. was here? Yes. Okay. So I emailed him and expressed interest in being the first strength coach at Quinnipiac. And uh, he's like, he's like, thank you for your interest. He's like, I think it's something that we're working on. He's like, I'll be in touch. And okay. July of 2008 rolls around, and then the position gets posted, apply for it. And fortunately, I, got, I was able to become the first full-time strength coach here. Awesome. Um, which is a unique opportunity in our field, too, to be able to kind of start a program from scratch with developing your own philosophy and your own um, thought process behind um, training and physical development and mental development, all those types of things um, in regards to helping s sport performance. And so um, it's been an awesome journey, and I've been here for 11 years, and it's been, uh, it's been incredible. So from all these readings that you've done in the library and – all the research that you've done, all these posters you have here. When you arrived, right, and building this program from scratch, what was your strategy? Was it let's take and work on every individual athlete or let's take the teams and work with the teams and try and grow them? Um, the biggest thing, I think, in my process is culture, right? And so um, the actual program that we implement is useless if the culture is not established. And okay. so when we talk about culture we're talking about things that we prioritize or what me and my staff call or are non-negotiables and so um that's based around three things one so 
Um, first is accountability. We want to teach the every uh, single student are athlete. Are these the three non-negotiables? Yes. Okay, got it. So our first, uh, we want to teach every student athlete that we work with that to be accountable for their actions, accountable for individual actions, accountable for your teammates' actions, um, because we want them to understand that everything that they do and every decision they make is going to be important in terms of their development. Um, individually and collectively as a team if you want to have any kind of success. Second thing is respect. Respect um, the facilities you get to train in, respect the coaches that you're able to work with, respect, we, we also have a lot of interns here too through our program. Okay. Respect the interns, they're learning, they're trying to develop too to try to help you. Um, respect your bodies and understand that you have one body, you're not gonna get another one. So we're gonna teach you how to take care of it. And then, like the, third, and then the third thing is work hard. Is good things happen to people that work hard. Um, don't make excuses. Don't complain about things, because that's a drain of energy, right? And we have we want to try to create a positive, um, discipline environment in with which we train. Um, so that's kind of our culture. Um, our philosophy is based around three things. One, we want to try to reduce the chance of injury. Second is we want to make better athletes. And three, we want to educate. So that's kind of what our philosophy and overall overarching theme is and what we believe in. And then our accountabilities are what we kind of, how we want to try to implement training, right? So training is like, it's not that challenging and not that difficult. The biggest thing is really trying to get our athletes to want to train and want to really get better, which is what our mentality and our mantra always is. So you feel like... The training part is not hard. It's getting them to kind of invest in it. Yeah, yeah because like, part. like, think about like, do you train at all? Do you work out? Occasion, yeah. Like, I'm only like three times a week, though. I'm, I'm nothing like these guys. Well, it's, I mean, you can go to gym though, right? And right. so you see hundreds of people at a gym. Not everybody's always in shape. Right. Not everybody's always fit. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of people go through the motions. True. It's the same yeah. type of thing when we were in here. When we work out, if we're doing something on the ice or on the court or in the field. Any time that we're able to have an impact towards our physical and mental training development, um, you can easily go through the motions or you can do things with a sense of purpose and a sense of passion and a certain intensity and, and desire. And be, the biggest thing is you have to do those things consistently to have any kind of meaningful impact or any, any kind of meaningful progression. You have to have purpose behind it. And that's what makes a difference in the results. Absolutely. Okay. Right. And so there's there's an adage that we'll tell we'll tell our interns or um, a lot of other strength coaches will say it is that you could ha write the best program in the world, but if it's done with um, little consistency and little effort compared to the worst program ever that's done with a hundred percent effort and a hundred percent intensity, the one that's the the not as the not not well written program is probably going to yield more results than the other one. So yeah. you're saying it's not about you and when you write the program. It's more about the athletes and how they invest in it. Yeah. I, I mean, like if that. you look yeah. at, like, strength conditioning across the country, a lot of people, like, no, nobody's going to be doing different exercises. You know what I mean? Even across teams, like, a lot of teams are going to do very similar training programs because of what we do and what we believe in in terms of reducing chains of injury, making better athletes, and educating. It's the biggest thing is how you do it. It's not what you do. It's how you do it, you know, and ultimately why you do it. All right. You know, and that's what we want to get them to understand is like have a level of awareness of why are you here? What's your goal? What's your purpose? And and we're going to hold you accountable to that. So if you tell me you want to be an All-American or you want to win a championship and your effort doesn't match that, I'm going to let you know. Yeah. Like like that's you're not taking you're yeah. not taking a step towards telling me what you what what you what you what you said you're going to do or said you want to be. Right. 
And my, that it actually swings into my next question about energy. And you have these signs in this weight room that says, I got better when you exit the weight room. And what is the difference between, say, an energy like today and what energy does for a workout on a game day? Is it even escalated more? Yeah, we, we want to – it's kind of cliche, but, like, every day is game day, right? And so okay. you want to you – just because it's a game day or just because it's a – a championship game, like your your level of effort shouldn't change. You know what I mean? Right. Like the stakes behind the game are going to change, but in reality, nothing, there's no difference. Like we'll say, if it's the off season, what we do on like June June 9th, that day that matters towards what we do come March and come April and, or come any kind of championship season that we might be in. Um, so on the outside of the weight room, it says like be responsible for the energy you bring into this space. We want to give energy not take energy we want to be selfless with our energy not selfish with our energy and so we talk about energy that we're talking that's like your spirit and like some things that we'll say oftentimes when your mind body and spirit are all connected good things can happen so physically you may be here in the gym right but mentally are you here or are you worried about something else right right so yeah. if your mind and body here are here now is your spirit here too are you willing to give towards your teammates to actually to help them get better too so we can all collectively improve all right, and I kind of have a little bit of a game for us right now, too. You kind of gave me your background and the, uh, the ins and outs of this uh, program and your job. So you can thank uh, Melissa Samuskevich for this one. Sam, uh, <laughs> she says you're a big music guy. Yes. You like music. What are your favorite genres of music? Um, probably hip-hop, rap. Um, I like EDM. Um, I like rock. I'm, I like it all, really. You know what I mean? Uh, it depends on the mood, but if you're going to say, what do I choose to listen to? Uh, the most probably hip hop and rap because there is music constantly in the way. Yes, room yeah, you walk by. yes. So I wanted to play a little bit of a game because I'm going to give you a scenario and you're going to tell me what song you would play for for that scenario oh, okay. in All this right. weight room. All right. So it's 37 degrees. It's a men's ice hockey game day and they're playing Dartmouth. What song would you play? Um, probably some sort of Avicii. Okay. Uh, some EDM. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. I don't know every Vici song name, but probably Levels. Levels, yeah. Okay. Um, women's basketball, Thursday practice over the summer. Uh, probably something by Chris Brown, or we often do, sometimes we'll do Michael Jackson throwbacks. All right, nice. <laughs> Men's basketball versus Hartford. So a men's basketball game day versus Hartford. Uh, probably Meek Mill. Dreams and Nightmares. Dreams and Nightmares, yep. That's a classic. Uh -huh. Is there a Philly? There are some There's Philly some Philly guys. guys. There's a little Philly connection there, yeah. Right. And then I got to do who am I, women's hockey. Okay. Um, weekend practice over the summer for women's hockey. Uh, depends who's in charge of the, the radio. If it was Abby Ives, it'd probably be Kanye or Kendrick Lamar. So it, people can take charge if they want. Yeah, to. Right. if it's the majority, not Abby Ives, <laughs> it probably country. Okay. <laughs> women's women's hockey likes the country. Yes. Yeah. Good. So now it has come to those questions that you've been uh, asking me about. Uh, it's our it's our classic podcast questions, the three questions that we end each interview with, and the first one is, if you could live anywhere in the world besides Hampton, Connecticut, where would you go? If I had to live anywhere, I would probably say 
um, somewhere in Europe. I'm not sure where, but uh, we've been to Ireland, we've been to Italy, like when I was younger, been to England, um, and I think maybe somewhere in Italy or Greece, like somewhere in the Mediterranean where you have a little warmth and there's water nearby, but there's something about the culture and how much history is around that or in those areas, in, in Italy especially, is... I think you can do a lot. I think you can absorb a lot. I think you can go to lots of different places too, and it's easy to travel there. I think it's be a kind of pretty cool place to live. Yeah, I think we had we had Abdullah Boudou on. He said he said Greece as well he did, for his yeah. place. Second question is: you can have dinner with anyone who has passed or is alive today. Who would it be? Um, my dad. My dad passed away five years ago now, and uh, my dad has had a huge impact upon me. And, uh, it's funny, like I often, um, catch myself saying the same things that he would say to the athletes I work with, to my kids. Was he also strength and conditioning? No, no. He worked in food service, but he, uh, he was extremely disciplined, extremely hardworking. And, and I like to, um, think that, um, I'm trying to do justice to him by the way I live and the way I coach and the way I teach and, um, probably, probably with him. Yeah. And the last question that we have, this one I like to debate people about, too, because I have a very specific uh, answer for this one. You're on death row, your last meal, your dinner, drink, and your dessert. What is it? Um, is, I think this is pretty easy. For, for, for dinner, I would do um, a really nice filet. Yeah. Um, all the veggies I can eat, like whether it be Brussels, Brussels sprouts, sprouts asparagus. Um, green beans are okay. I, 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 I'm a, I, I like asparagus, broccoli, um, Brussels sprouts a little bit more, um, mashed sweet potatoes. Um, in terms of a drink, mm, I don't drink as much as I used to, but, um, you know, what's good is like a, a nice tall Guinness. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then dessert, it's gotta be, um, Arthusa ice cream. It's like the best ice cream ever. Where, where can I find that? It's in New Haven. So I think it's on, I always get the streets confused, but I think it's on Crown. Oh, You know where the Shake Shack is? Yes. Right? So that's by Bar New Haven. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So if you know where Bar is and there's like uh, like a little parking lot next to Geronimo's. Okay. If you go on the other side, closer towards the green, it is the best ice cream ever. And uh, I've said this to a lot of athletes and to my staff too and, and- um, I think they agree. I don't know if I just like convince them that it's really good, but they say that it's the best ice cream they've ever had. But anyway, so there's a farm. I'm getting excited about it. No, because f- now that you mention it, I think this was one of Chase's picks too. Yes. We had Chase. I think, I think he did. <laughs> so um, there's a farm in Litchfield, Connecticut, where you know they have their cows, obviously, but they essentially pamper their cows. Like they groom them, they shampoo them, they do their nails. And and this goes back to like some neuroscience does too. This, does this result in better milk for the better cream, right? Oh, think about like if if you get treated really well, and you're you know you're showered and not necessarily pampered. I think because if you get spoiled, it could not it, it won't right. work the same exact way. But I get what you're saying. But yeah. your outputs are going to be that much better. Like you know what I mean? It's like how you treat people. Look good, feel good, play good. Yeah, uh, okay. and so that's the way they that's how they treat their animals and cows. So the cream is of really high consistency and high quality. And then the first time we went, we, you know, we, my kids were with me too. And remember they got mint chocolate chip and I was like, it confusing. I'm like, it's not green. 
And then I started to think, I'm like, well, it shouldn't be green. That's food coloring. Because it's got coloring yeah. in it. Like, yeah, so it's cream. And so there's the most natural um, ingredients that are in it. Um, they use dark chocolate. And, um, oh, like, chocolate so too. like, yeah, that's so, nice. so like I get, um, I get my favorite's coconut dark chocolate. And so you can taste the coconut in it. Um, they made a pumpkin one for the, for the fall. That's on outstanding. They don't have a ton of flavors, but it is the, but the flavors vice. That they do, they'll knock it oh, out. Of the they're, they're outstanding. So right. highly recommend if you've never been there before. Um, and sometimes like I eat really well and I notice when I don't eat well, what I feel like. And if I have other kinds of ice cream, like I, I just feel disgusting and upsets my stomach. <laughs> this, nothing, because it's all natural, right? And it's like good, fo- good, good ingredients, good product. Now this kind of actually leads me to a follow-up question: What is, what is, di- do you deal with diet with these athletes as well within your job? No, um, I don't. We, I, I do, I do, and I don't. Like, so yeah. we've got a nutritionist, Dana White, that yeah. that kind of works with everybody, but on a daily basis, like our, our guys and girls will ask all the time, like. Um, what should I do for this or what should I do for this? And so, so I'll, I'll give them some advice and help them, but she does their meal plans and all that kind of stuff. Right, but yeah, exactly. we do have a, a good amount of athletes. We'll ask on a daily basis and I'll ask them, Hey, would you eat for breakfast? Would you eat for lunch? Um, send me pictures of what you're having and we can try to work on things. Yeah. So definitely it is part of the process cause that, that helps with performance. It does. Yeah. So you said filet with all the vegetables you can eat, maybe mm. some potatoes, yeah. tall Guinness, and say the name of the parlor again. I gotta go. Arthusa. Arthusa. Yeah, I don't. Or I might. It's maybe Arthusa. It's A R E T H U S A. All right, Coach B. This has been awesome. Matt, I appreciate it. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you for giving me your time. You're welcome. Thanks so much to Coach Brajesh Patel for joining Matt here on episode number 15 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And that's going to do it here for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Get all your breaking news, score, stats, tickets, merch, whatever you may need. You can find it there on QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Make sure you follow all of the social media accounts. Twitter is at QU Athletics. I believe it's the same for Instagram, QU Athletics as well. QU underscore Athletics, yeah. And uh, lastly, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Leave us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Matt McAuliffe, if we want to get in touch with you, how can we? Come on now, at McAuliffe7. And I am at Dan Ball, B-A-H-L. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click.